1: Hmm. you can stay one step ahead of stinky and for bigger jobs try the superior strength of hefty large black bags
0: good evening welcome it's eric erickson here news 955 am 750 wsb the phone number 404-872-0750-1800 wsb talk so before we get into anything else we got to deal with the syrian situation they apparently still have chemical weapons which we have all been reliably told John Kerry and Barack Obama got rid of. In fact, so much so, I want to play this audio for you compiled by the Washington Free Beacon on this particular subject Justices to give you a sense of it. ...reportedly killed,
1: including at least 10 children, hundreds of others injured, and these numbers are very preliminary. What caused this? Right now it's seen as a gas or chemical attack. <laughs> think, ultimately, that President Obama is the big winner here?
0: He is a big, big winner, in my estimation. It turns out we're getting chemical weapons out of Syria without having initiated a strike. So what else are you talking about? We've got, got the chemical program. weapons.
1: We've got the, we're getting the chemical weapons out of Syria. Well, uh, Chris, all you have to do is look at the fact that today, the final 8% of chemical weapons uh, were taken out of Syria. We should commend the administration for the result that they got. The removal of chemical weapons. Out of Syria is a substantial accomplishment. We certainly worked with them in Syria to uh, to bring all the chemical weapons out of Syria. We struck a deal where we got 100% of the chemical weapons
0: out. 100% of the declared chemical weapons out of Syria. We kept chemical weapons, or got chemical weapons, out of the area.
1: We got, as you know, last year, all the chemical weapons out of
0: Syria. Uh, no small feat. Syria eliminating its chemical weapons and ultimately having them destroyed by the international community.
1: Syria would still have a declared chemical weapons stockpile. Right now they don't. Right now Bashar al-Assad does not have a declared chemical weapons stockpile. We removed that declared chemical weapons stockpile and we destroyed that declared chemical weapons stockpile, which means that Bashar al-Assad can't use those chemical weapons against his own people. And the purpose of the strike? was to get the chemical weapons out of Syria. Weapons of mass destruction are taken out of the zone of conflict. And thank God we did that. We are making real progress in Iraq and Syria. And I mean real progress. If Russia can help us, and it is right now, Russia has helped bring about the Iran nuclear agreement. Russia helped get the chemical weapons out of
0: Syria. The destruction of the Syrian chemical weapons stockpile. I would have, I think, made a bigger mistake If I had said, yeah, chemical weapons, uh, that doesn't really change my calculus. (laughs) Yes. Yes, good job there, Obama administration. Good job. And notice how, how it morphed to declared chemical weapons. So they could have chemical weapons, but they got rid of all the ones they declared. In fact, this is their this is their talking point today in response to this chemical attack. It appears to be chlorine gas on people, uh, just just horrible deaths. That well, if they didn't declare them, we didn't know about them. So it's not our fault. I, I mean, y'all. The willful naivete of these people to to hang their head on the idea of declared chemical weapons, that we got them all, 100% of them, so long as Syria told us they had them. Uh, that's why the world is so chaotic right now is because we've had eight years of Barack Obama and, and willing stupidity from Obama officials on stuff like this and on Iran and on North Korea and on Russia and on China and on everything else absolutely ridiculous. Perhaps though, y'all, now I got to say something regarding the present situation. Um, It was not Donald Trump to begin with. Someone in his staff uh, let it be known that the president wanted out of Syria and wanted out of Syria yesterday. It turns out that's true. The president confirmed he wants to get out of Syria. He, He doesn't want to stick around in Syria. Um back during the Obama administration the, the Barack Obama made a series of announcements regarding Iraq and Afghanistan and our timetables for leaving and the terrorists in both locations knew that they could wait us out, and so did. They They held back forces. They held back arms, waiting for us to begin various wind-downs. We would begin to wind down. They would begin to escalate. We would have to end the wind-down, and we would have to scale back up. This happened several times, and a, a guy who eventually ran for president uh, wasn't even um, on the radar at the time as a pre- presidential candidate. His name was Donald Trump. Blasted Barack Obama several times for this particular issue, for going on um, public uh, tours, going on social media, going on network news, and announcing our plans in the future so that the terrorists would know to prepare for them. That's essentially what has happened here with Syria. Someone from the White House leaked the president wanted to get out. Then the president confirmed it on social media. He, He didn't want to be there forever. He wanted to get out. And Bashar al-Assad decided, okay, I'm going to launch a chemical weapons attack. They're done. Now, I want to be clear here, unlike some of the on the left and the media, I am not blaming President Trump for this attack. It was Assad's attack. It was not Donald Trump's attack. And the president appears, uh, having now gone on Twitter and, and tweeted critically of Putin and Assad saying it's their fault. And we're going to take swift action, and we should know in the next 24 hours what action the president decides to take. It is good and commendable that the president has stood up and said, this is unacceptable. Uh, we should be applauding the president for this, uh, and uh, we're going to be seeing what he does. But I do think there is something to the John McCain criticism that, as just as he criticized Barack Obama, John McCain did too— He's now criticizing Donald Trump, saying, you know, it wasn't helpful for you to say we want to be done with Syria. Now, part of me, having talked to some friends of mine who are involved in national security, they actually think this might have been done to keep us there. Now, what do I mean by this? See, the Russians are itching for a fight with the United States. And to a degree, they think they can vet us. And our equipment, our technology and the like by keeping us in Syria and that they can adapt around us. And I think there's some plaus- plausibility to that argument. I think it is very plausible uh, that the Russians are trying to scope us out and assess, are we as still a threat as we might have once been? And I think what they're finding is that, yes, to some degree we are other than the F-35 sucks, uh, which I don't even know that they're flying it. The F-22 is pretty awesome, though. They should start building it again, but that's another tangent. Uh, what we are finding, however, is that the Russians are not nearly as technologically proficient as they have led people to believe. The Russians have sent um, anti-aircraft batteries into Syria that have failed to stop a strike on the Syrian Air Force and uh, areas where the Syrians were thought to, to hold chemical weapons. It appears that the Israelis are behind this. What's so interesting is that the the Associated Press, NBC, CBS, and several others have used the blame language. Israel is to blame for an attack on Syria. Uh, Syria, I said Syria. Um, They shouldn't be blamed. They should be given credit. Uh, The U.S. and French are the only other two countries capable at this point of launching an attack in Syria. Neither of them have done it, which means that Israel must have done it. But seeing the media saying that they're to blame for it tells you everything you need to know about how the media sees Israel. But there is a point here to follow along with, and that is that the Russian anti-aircraft batteries the Syrians used failed to stop the Israeli F-16s and fa 18s that they use, which are our present to last generation aircraft. They couldn't stop the Israelis in those aircraft with the state-of-the-art Russian uh, anti-aircraft battery, which is a big indication on where Russia's uh, technological capabilities are right now. Just a quick timeout for a great sponsor whose product I've been using since before we started doing sponsors for this podcast, Quip, because I saw their ads on instagram and thought eh, this looks useful because every electric toothbrush i have ever had has sucked um, either the head was too big or it had a charger and i hate traveling with extra chargers i got a mac so i got dongles for everything i don't want a charger for a toothbrush as well and quip doesn't use a charger and the battery i've been using this one now uh, three four months and the battery still works and when it stops working i just replace the battery that's it i can buy them at the grocery store I like Quip. New electric toothbrush packs the right amount of vibration into a slimmer design at a fraction of the cost of bulkier traditional electric brushes. That is very true. And here's the cool thing. They have a subscription plan. Refreshes your brush on a dentist-recommended schedule. New brush heads every three months for just $5, including free shipping worldwide. Now, side topic here. If I sound like i am essing hissing, I'm wearing Invisalign braces. My I, Dental issues, when I was a kid, had a quack dentist, uh, pulled teeth he shouldn't have, and it has over time caused problems. I've noticed my teeth seeming like they were further and further back, and turns out they were. So I had to wear these braces, and the reason I'm wearing these braces is because although the S's hiss a little more, I can still talk on radio in a way with metal braces I couldn't. But they had put these attachments on your teeth that help push your teeth around wearing these braces. And you eat meat, you eat anything, it can get up underneath the attachments and whatnot. And I tried my wife's electric toothbrush that has a bigger head just to see if if I was right. And sure enough, my Quip toothbrush, because the head has a great vibration, but it's also smaller than some of these electric toothbrushes, I can get in and around those attachments better than with my wife's fancy, super expensive $100 plus electric toothbrush. And I don't have to deal with a charger, which is a good thing. Um, So Quip makes it very, very easy for me to have good dental hygiene and replacing your brush heads every three months as Dennis recommended because your brush heads, they can actually get sharp. I was hearing Jonathan last on the, on the substandard podcast, say he's a a, a germaphobe and was talking about the brush heads. They get sharp. The bristles do, and they can grind off your enamel and hurt your gum. So you're supposed to replace your brush head every three months. So with Quip, I mean, you kill two birds with one stone, you get great dental hygiene, I highly recommend it. More than I wanted to say about a toothbrush, but I actually am that impressed, and it has been that useful. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com, getquip.com slash eric, E-R-I-C-K, right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash eric. It's spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash E-R-I-C-K. Can I just say one of the stupidest media stories, and there have been so many stupid media stories um, that the Trump derangement syndrome has caused. But I think one of the stupidest stories we have seen in, since the election of Donald Trump has been the story over the weekend about the fire at Trump Tower. Y'all, it was a tragedy. It was apparently an art and antiques dealer collector who lived in a apartment and an apartment one bedroom, I believe. That I read, uh, he couldn't sell it. He was trying to get out of it. He couldn't. Uh, he was a hoarder. Had his antiques in there. The place caught fire and. <gasps> There were no sprinklers. Donald Trump had lobbied in the early 90s not to have sprinklers in the residential section arguing that if a fire broke out, that the way his building was built, the fire would be contained per unit, as it was. And the media is actually trying to turn this tragedy into into an anti-Trump scandal. He was not alone, you should know. A number of real estate developers in New York argued that the costs of putting sprinklers in residential uh, apartments inside high rises would be onerous because of inspection and maintenance of the sprinklers and the increased likelihood of those sprinklers being triggered by innocuous events inside those apartments. And they are right, by the way. You should should know that. Uh, Whether you want to admit it or not, a lot of residential units in high-rises, even here, don't have sprinklers because of the burden of maintenance and inspection and everything else. That's not to say that that all high-rises don't have them. No, most do. In fact, a lot of residential facilities here in Atlanta do, but in some cases they don't. And in New York, it wasn't just Donald Trump lobbying to get rid of them. It was a lot of the real estate developers of major high-rises. The media, of course, has seized on the Trump angle to politicize the tragedy of a man dying. They're upset with Donald Trump bragging on Twitter that the structure of his building prevented the fire from failing. He thanked the firefighters... And thank the designers of his building for building it as they said they would. But he did not lament the death of the man in that tweet. Therefore, Donald Trump is bad. Y'all, this is why no one treats the media with respect these days. Because that's an insane story. It's an insane line of argument to take. Over a position he held in the 1990s, shared by the other high-end developers in the city, not just him that somehow this fire is his fault. He did not strike the match. There has not been another fire like this. There has been another fire, you should know, in Trump Tower, but not in this residential area within the building complex. And by the way, the first fire and this fire, they were both contained. The building design worked to contain the fire, as Donald Trump said it would. You can't stop your residents from accidentally setting fires in the first place. It, the whole thing is just mind-numbing that the media is out there trying to turn this tragedy into a big anti-Trump story. It has nothing to do with Donald Trump, by and large, other than it happened in his building. And he is one of many developers who took that position. And again, this is a, I've got a story in, in my stack, we may get to it or not, uh, on how the media is complaining about the lack of trust in the media, and they all blame Donald Trump. I think they should probably blame themselves welcome back it's eric erickson here news 955 am 750 wsb the phone number 404 872 750 wsb talk it is about 40 after the hour y'all the london mayor has decided to ban knives. They're working on it. There's actually a story that uh, some are calling for a ban of kitchen knives, chef's knives. You may have to start having a permit in London to certify that you are not a Muslim extreme, I mean a chef. You may have to actually get a certification, in fact, that you are a chef, to be able to own a kitchen knife. This is so dumb. The Babylon Bee, the the Christian parody website that is uh, far funnier these days than The Onion, <laughs> has a piece um, say that uh, upset at the increasing number of fistfights, London mayor bans hands. It, it's only a matter of time that something like that happens. This is ridiculous. Here's the problem. Uh, it, it is obvious, but let me state it. There is a class of people, young, mostly Islamic, although not always men, who have been radicalized, who are stabbing people in London, slitting throats in London. Their crime is now above New York. And now, this is very sensitive, you need to know, and the media is playing to these sensitivities in reporting on this in that London has its first Muslim mayor. And the first Muslim mayor's opponent, when he ran, suggested controversially that he might not be serious on crime. And he might not because he had been on record before that he thought that the police were targeting young Islamic men and harassing them and he wanted it to stop. And his opponent had the audacity to say that that would embolden young radical Islamic uh, men to actually take to the streets and engage in a life of violent crime against native Londoners. <gasps> quel horror! We must stomp out this person. Well, that person is now in Parliament and the mayor is the mayor and London crime has gone up for the first time in recorded history, at least in modern times. Uh, The crime rate per capita in London exceeds New York, and it is knife crimes. You know, the crimes that they're not supposed to have because they don't have guns in London. We hear this all the time. We should be more like London. We should be more like Britain. We should have knives, not guns. Well, it turns out, that you can get rid of the guns and people will use knives. You get rid of the knives, they're going to use something else. They may all take up an affinity for Major League Baseball in London. Everybody start buying bats. They could have cricket bats in London. I mean, if you're a violent person, you're going to find ways to do violent harm to people. It's a no-brainer. And they've danced around this issue in London. Here, Ultimately, here's the problem. There is a class of people who are most likely to engage in this issue, to engage in violence against native Londoners and others, whether plowing cars into people or stabbing people with knives, and the London police and the London politicians refuse to actually call them out. The London politicians and the London police refuse to actually take on this issue because they are scared to death to be accused of being racist or bigots or profiling. They could actually do something about this issue if they wanted to. As uh, my buddy Sean Davis from The Federalist noted, we've gone from we shall fight them on the beaches, we shall fight them on the shores, we shall fight them in the hills, we shall fight them wherever to, uh, we got to ban knives now, dude. I mean, that's... Uh, This is not Winston Churchill's England anymore. As an aside, related to regulation and nothing else I've been talking about, Mark Zuckerberg going to Congress, testifying and whatnot before the Senate and the House, uh, Sheryl Sandberg getting out of some interviews and all. Um, Full disclosure, I think Facebook is going to sponsor the Red State Gathering, uh, the Red State Gathering, my goodness, my, my brain is in pastime. The, the Resurgent Conference we're going to have in Austin, Texas. Um, we'll be putting up the hotel site and registration site shortly. Uh, in any event, so they're testifying in Congress and coming to terms with the idea that maybe Congress needs to do some mild regulation over social media sites. I am opposed to the regulation. And philosophically, I want you to understand why. And that is because um, once you start regulating entities like Google and Facebook, there will never be another competitor because any competitor would probably be regulated as well. Uh, And they would eventually hit a limit, even if they're not initially regulated, they would hit a limit on growth that would cause them to be regulated. And so they could never actually... Um, they they could never give Facebook or Google or any of these others a run for their money. If you begin regulating through Washington social media sites, they're going to become the de facto and the default. It's going to be hard for any competitor to try to outlast them, to try to outfox them, to try to outbeat them because they're not going to be able to handle the regulatory burden at startup. So I'm very opposed to regulating these entities. I think the free market and exposure is the best way to do it. Um, Let the media expose them, have hearings, expose what's happened. And if you don't like it, you don't have to use the product. But regulating them presumes that they are going to always be there. And that's going to collapse the free market and prevent competitors from potentially arising. So um, bad on regulation. But, of course, Congress wants to do it because we're in an election year and they think it'll make them popular. Hey, y'all know who has a job? Scott Pruitt, the EPA administrator. He, he's still there. Notice how he, So a friend of mine has told me, forget the story about uh, what's his name, who was in the White House, Rob Porter, who left and leaked some stories, that a lot of it was coordinated by a left-wing environmental group, as I knew uh, and told you guys, uh, that it had to be a, a liberal interest group, an environmentalist group, and it was coordinating these stories with the media a drip 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 of stories uh, trying to escalate notice how scott pruitt's not in the news today there there hasn't been a a headline about scott pruitt since saturday uh in any major media outlet and that has to do with the fact that the media thought if they flood the zone with these stories and they escalate them every day a new story a new story a new story a new story even contradicting the old stories but we got to have a new story that he would be out of a job by Friday, and he wasn't. And so now the news cycle has moved on. It didn't work. They really thought it would, and it hasn't. Uh, And I think we need to pay attention to that, because we've seen it also with Betsy DeVos. We've seen it with Jeff Sessions and others as well within the White House. This is what the media is doing. They know Donald Trump pays attention to the news. They know he pays attention to the media. And as much as they lament the fact that he watches a lot of Fox News, they also play it to their advantage to orchestrate hit jobs on people like Scott Pruitt. And, you know, the funniest thing is, look look at the stories. At the beginning of the week and and the prior week, the story on Scott Pruitt... Pruitt was that he was in a um in a crooked deal for a $50 a day, fifteen hundred dollar a month, but they were calling it fifty dollar a day lease with a lobbyist who lobbied before the EPA. The president still kept him. So by the end of the week, it was that the the lobbyist landlord had to change the locks. He was only supposed to be there for six months, and they were tired of him, and he got wait wait a second. You were at the beginning of the week saying it was a cozy deal among friends who had business before the EPA, and now you're telling me it wasn't a cozy deal. They wanted him out. That doesn't sound like it's a cozy conflict of interest relationship there. But they tried to have it both ways on that story. The constant drip, 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 drip of stories trying to sabotage a career And assassinate someone's character. And it did not work with Scott Pruitt on Friday like they thought as they escalated and escalated the stories. And this week, we've moved on to something else. Syria right now, who knows what will be tomorrow. The president's tweets, the, the fire at Trump Tower. And the media's lament over itself. I want to talk about that a little bit when we come back. There are a number of stories out. The media pity party about itself and the state of media economics. you got the, the Denver Post reporters upset at the hedge fund that owns the Denver Post lamenting that they dare want to make a profit. As if these people don't understand what, that they're in a business. It's not a public service, as someone tried to tell me on Twitter. It's a business, and business make profit. Anyway, we'll explore that. And also, the coming American Civil War that the Twitter founders are real excited about. Welcome back. Nine after the hour, Eric Erickson here, News 955 AM 750 WSB. We're not even gonna have time for phone calls, so let's just skip the number. Um okay. Yeah, we can yeah, go on. Sorry, setting the call screener home. Um I, well hey I, I I don't mean to be that way, but it's Monday. We don't tend to get a lot of phone calls on Monday anyway, and I'm just looking at all the extra stuff that I've got to get to, so let's just see y'all can listen to me here. Um, Let us begin with the Civil War. Uh, I want to actually read you some of this piece. Um, It probably would have helped if I had gotten it up beforehand. But uh, Jack, um, Jack is the leader of Twitter. Uh, Jack Dorsey, and Ev, what is Ev's last name, Um, Ev is the former leader of Twitter, they've gone back and forth, Ev Williams, yes, Ev Williams, Jack Dorsey, they've gone back and forth on um, liking this, finding it fascinating, great piece, what have you. And a a bunch of liberals are giddy about it. And let me read you the headline. The Great Lesson of California in America's New Civil War. The subtitle, Why There's No Bipartisan Way Forward at This Juncture in Our Future. One side must win. Now, Roy Texiera, you should know, has uh, been one of the the left-wing political scientists, using air quotes around scientists, who has long believed that there was a coming permanent majority on the left. Um, what's the matter with Kansas, books like that. Essentially, the left was going to dominate and has been pushing this theory forever, not just that they would dominate culturally, but they would take over politics and the Republicans would never again, because of demographics, be able to claim power. Eh, hadn't worked out so well. Now, let me just read you the beginning of this piece in PR voice here. The next time you call for bipartisan cooperation in America and long for Republicans and Democrats to work side by side, stop it. Remember the great lesson of California, the harbinger of America's political future, and realize that today such bipartisan cooperation simply can't get done. In this current period of American politics, at this juncture in our history, there's no way that a bipartisan path provides the way forward. The way forward is on the path California blazed about 15 years ago. And the entire purpose of this, first of all, claiming the Democrats have a big tent party, (coughs) um, is that California is going to be the way forward. California today provides a model for America as a whole. Now, listen, I realize some of you are driving. Please not. Please try to keep your hands on the steering wheel and not laugh so hysterically that you run off the road. California today provides a model for America as a whole. This model of politics and government is by no means perfect, but it is far ahead of the nation in coming to terms with the inexorable, digital, global, sustainable transformation of our area. It is a thriving work in progress that gives hope that America can pull off, pull out of the political mess we're in. California today provides a playbook for America's new way forward bankruptcy. It's worth contemplating as we enter 2018, which will be a critical election year. So you got that California, which is having trouble meeting its debt obligations and is for the first time ever seeing more people leave the state than come into the state Somehow this is going to be the model going forward. And, and the overarching point here is that one side must win. We're in a new civil war. People may not like to call it a civil war, but that's what it is. One side has to win and dominate and crush the other. And in this telling of it, it's going to be the American left that wins. Now think about this. The CEO of Twitter thinks this is a great article I, 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 gotta, I gotta read you one more excerpt of this. Okay, a little bit more about this piece before we delve further into this. America today is nowhere near the level of conflict from the prior Civil War or risk of such violence. However, America today does exhibit some of the core elements that move a society from what normally is the process of working out political differences toward the slippery slope of Civil War. We've seen it in many societies in many previous historic eras, including what happened in the United States in 1960. America's original Civil War was not just fought to emancipate slaves for humanitarian reasons. The conflict was really about the clash between two very different economic systems that were fundamentally at odds and ultimately could not coexist. The Confederacy was based on an agrarian economy dependent on slaves. The Union was based on a new kind of capitalist manufacturing economy dependent on free labor. They tried to somehow coexist from the time of the founding, but by the middle of the 19th century, something had to give. One side or the other had to win. America today faces a similar juncture among fundamentally incompatible energy systems. That's right. Carbon versus solar and wind. Yes, clean energy. Another driver on the road to civil war is when two classes become fundamentally at odds. The rich versus the poor. The Christian versus the open-minded, tolerant people who hate everyone. They they don't say that, but you get the point. Now, first of all, this probably is never going to happen because Roy Texier is one of the authors and he gets everything wrong. Second is that the people he thinks need to be annihilated are the ones with all the guns. But third, and and most specifically, is you, you know there is one part of the United States Constitution that cannot be amended. Do you have any idea what that is? any idea at all, yes, there actually is a part of the Constitution that cannot be amended. Though everything in the Constitution can be amended, this can't. Article 5 of the Constitution, which is the provision on how to amend the Constitution, prohibits amending the Constitution so as to alter the construct of the Senate. No state shall be required to give up its senators without its consent so even though essentially this this completely is contradicted by the structure of the american constitution that the states matter still the states are not administrative entities of washington dc washington dc is essentially an administrative entity of the states so this can't work out right for their theory because they think California can dominate everything, but Texas isn't going to give up its senators, nor is Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, Missouri, Montana, North and South Dakota, Idaho, all those states that are still very conservative, even the Democrats who get elected, the John Testers, the, the Heidi camps, the Joe Donnellys, the Joe Manchins, who are all at risk of losing two Republicans in 2018, an anti-Republican year, these Democrats are still looking at losing. He can't get rid of them. And by the way, there's another big, big, big issue, and it's called Texas. California has more people leaving than coming. Many of those people are going to Texas. And the data, I've talked to several people who work in uh, data analysis of uh, demographic shifts in Texas, and all of them say the people who are coming from California aren't the liberals. It's the conservatives fleeing California. California demographically continues to get more and more liberal as conservatives and moderate centrist voters leave. And they're going to places like Texas, where Texas is not suddenly getting more liberal despite liberal claims To the contrary. So all these tech titans think of themselves as philosopher kings. This, by the way, is one reason that Twitter remains just a garbage fest that they can't fix and make a profit off of. Is because these guys think they're philosopher kings, but they're ultimately blithering idiots. And blithering idiots who are unarmed and arrogant aren't going to win an American Civil War. Just a quick timeout for a great sponsor whose product I've been using since before we started doing sponsors for this podcast, Quip, because I saw their ads on Instagram and thought, oh, this looks useful because every electric toothbrush I have ever had has sucked. Um, Either the head was too big or it had a charger, and I hate traveling with extra chargers. I got a Mac, so I got dongles for everything, and I want a charger for a toothbrush as well. And Quip doesn't use a charger. And the battery, I've been using this one now uh 3 4 months and the battery still works and when it stops working i just replace the battery that's it i can buy them at the grocery store i like quip new electric toothbrush packs the right amount of vibration into a slimmer design at a fraction of the cost of bulkier traditional electric brushes that is very true and here's the cool thing they have a subscription plan refreshes your brush on a dentist-recommended schedule, new brush heads every three months for just $5, including free shipping worldwide. Now, side topic here. If I sound like I'm essing, hissing, I'm wearing Invisalign braces. My I Dental issues, when I was a kid, had a quack dentist. Uh, pulled teeth he shouldn't have, and it is has over time caused problems. I've noticed my teeth seeming like they were further and further back, and turns out they were. So I had to wear these braces, and the reason I'm wearing these braces is because although the S's hiss a little more, I can still talk on radio in a way with metal braces I couldn't. But they put these attachments on your teeth that help push your teeth around wearing these braces. And you eat meat, you eat anything, it can get up underneath the attachments and whatnot. And I tried my wife's electric toothbrush that has a bigger head just to see if if I was right, and sure enough. My Quip toothbrush, because the head has a great vibration, but it's also smaller than some of these electric toothbrushes, I can get in and around those attachments better than with my wife's fancy, super expensive, $100 plus electric toothbrush. And I don't have to deal with a charger, which is a good thing. Um, so Quip makes it very, very easy for me to have good dental hygiene. And replacing your brush heads every three months is Dennis dentist recommended because your brush heads, they can actually get sharp. I was hearing Jonathan Last on the on the Substandard podcast say, he's a, a, a germaphobe and was talking about the brush heads. They get sharp, the bristles do, and they can grind off your enamel and hurt your gum. So you're supposed to replace your brush head every three months. So with Quip, you, I mean, you kill two birds with one stone, you get great dental hygiene. I highly recommend it. More than I wanted to say about a toothbrush, but I actually am that impressed, and it has been that useful. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com, getquip.com, slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K, right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com, slash Eric. It's spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com, slash E-R-I-C-K. There's a story, you've heard it in the newscasts, and it's all over the news right now, and I haven't talked about it, and I don't want to talk about it tonight. Uh, But I I want you to be aware of it, uh, because you're going to be getting news all over the place on this, and that is Michael Cohen's office has been raided by federal agents. That is Donald Trump's lawyer. His office being raided. Um, details are still being sorted out as to whether this is related to Stormy Daniels. It appears that there are sources confirming this is related to the Mueller investigation, but that is why I don't really want to talk about it, um, is because I just, there's not a lot to. To say right now, it's all speculation. Like here's a reporter earlier tweeting. So given this Cohen raid is is a Southern District of New York investigation referred by Mueller and not a Mueller action, it would appear there's a second criminal investigation into the president's inner circle. Uh, That may be so. Um, The White House has no comment on it at this time. Um, I'm just I don't want to deal with this story right now, despite all the red alerts and everything else. Um, it does appear, however, uh, the New York Times is confirming that uh, Michael Cohen's office has been rated in records C's related to payments to Stormy Daniels, among other things. But everything else is just speculation, and I have absolutely no desire to delve into this until we know a little more about it. Uh, When we come back, I want to shift gears a little more. Um, The Women's March folks are upset about the shutdown of Backpage and the arrest of Backpage. But uh, there's more than this, though. There's a story out that the spending bill is the wake-up call for Donald Trump. The spending bill is his wake-up call. Uh, The final abandonment of conventional wisdom. And I think that's wrong because we've seen this story before with... Well, I'll tell you when we come back. Eric Erickson here, News 95.5, AM 750, WSB. I don't know if many of you are familiar with Backpage. Um, So there are two online services um, that are essentially classified ad places. Uh, They are... Uh, Craigslist, uh, which is the gold standard, and Backpage, which has been up and coming in the last few years. More people, I checked. Uh, more people use Craigslist in Atlanta than Backpage. Backpage has become notorious for being a place where individuals can go and traffic in children. Now, as an aside, I'm going to be in Washington doing the show for much of this week, doing some interviews related to my uh, new TV show that's coming online here uh, soon. And I'm going to be interviewing people on human trafficking, including Michelle Rickett, who is uh, from Atlanta. She'll be up there, though. We will be um, talking to her about the issue. I don't Think that most people realize that we have somewhat crossed the Rubicon in this country in the last several years, where it used to be that a majority of people trafficked in this country were from out of the country, brought into the country, and it has now kidnapped American teenagers and tweens who are the victims of human trafficking by and large in this country. Uh, Backpage has long been accused of being a website where individuals could go and uh, trade trafficked children, prostitute trafficked children. In fact, according to a report I was reading earlier today, you could search Amber Alert and you could find um, people on Backpage. I have had several people tell me um, that they have used Backpage and Craigslist to buy drugs in Atlanta uh one just to see if they could do it one is a total pothead and uh did it but uh, nonetheless you can find all sorts of stuff uh, on these sites uh, Craigslist over the years has actually been fairly diligent about stamping out human trafficking related activities on their site uh, they just shut down their personal section on Craigslist. I, I read the other day uh, in response to a law passed by Congress on, Uh, ensuring that people aren't being abused or whatnot. Um, But Craigslist has done a pretty good job from what I was reading in the story in the New York Times about trying to get rid of the human trafficking problem that had existed on its site. Backpage, however, seems to have excelled in letting it happen. And the Women's March, yes, you know, La Resistance. The Women's March, they're outraged by Backpage.com. Uh, Having their founders, it looks like, or someone related to them arrested and and the site shut down because it's where women in the sex industry could go to safely find clients. That's right, you know, prostitution. The the radical feminists of the left believe prostitution is not a bad thing, that the woman got to support herself some way and using her body... Um, That's a way she can do it, and they're totally about this, which is horrific because anyone who has ever studied prostitution knows that it is actually the very slim minority of women who get into it as a way to support themselves. It is overwhelmingly people introduced in abusive situations who continue and don't know how to get out of it. You're, you're not supporting women's rights by supporting prostitution. And there are libertines, they they claim to be libertarian, but really they just want to get their jollies off without the government interfering. They're otherwise okay with big government. Uh, they're the ones upset about this, and, and you find them in the Women's March movement uh, upset that the government is shutting down a site that has become known for the trafficking of tween and teen boys and girls to criminals in this country. Good for the Trump administration doing it. Good for them. You know, there's a, there's another story and I want you to be real careful with this. Pay attention because you're going to see this more and more. There's a story in the New York Times over the weekend about, uh, the right of personhood for chimpanzees, that they're smart, they're highly intelligent creatures. They should be given personhood. I actually have had a conversation with Nancy Piercy, the theologian professor out at Houston Baptist University on this issue. And this is a growing trend. Anthony Kennedy has taken this position on the Supreme Court. The left is taking this position on the idea of personhood, that personhood is something separate from being a human. And this language is derived from the, the arguments made in Roe versus Wade. And we're seeing this, including in the, the women's march, people complaining about shutting down Backpage, uh, because of the the sex worker movement and and their right to a living and whatnot, you, do you understand that? when you separate humanity from personhood and say personhood is something else, it allows you to do the worst things humanity has done to itself in the 20th century. It is what the Nazis have done. It is what the communists have done. It is what people on the left and the Supreme Court in this country are doing, thankfully not to the violent extent of these others, but that's where it heads. When you decide that a person is not a person by virtue of being a human, they have to have something special beyond that, some capability beyond just being born 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 created in the image of God. They've got to have something else. You go in all sorts of dangerous directions. And by making personhood something other than humanity, you give it to chimpanzees, but you can take it away from a down syndrome uh, person, Uh, an adult with Alzheimer's that they lose their personhood or you don't gain it. Uh, Philip K. Dick, the sci-fi writer, wrote a short story shortly after *Reverses* weight came out in the 70s uh, called The Pre-Persons, where up until a child learned algebra, which is um, how they had critical thinking enough to make their way in the world uh, independent of their parents, uh, they were not considered human and could be killed. And that's ultimately where you do head. And and people were outraged by his short story back in the 70s. But his point was actually where this argument is with personhood, separate from being a human. If you separate it from humanity, you let all sorts of bad things happen. And that's one of the things we're seeing now with these arguments over um, sex workers and feminism and, and you name it. And now with giving rights to chimpanzees because they're considered persons. No, you must be human and person is the same thing. Don't let people bifurcate it or you get bad things. Don't forget you can text the word show to 444-999 to not only get Uh, subscribe to the podcast, but also get my daily email. I wanted to talk about this topic tonight. We're running out of time, so I'm going to have to write about it at the resurgence tomorrow. So text SHOW to 444-999 to get it, and I'll talk about it tomorrow. Uh, The Congressional Budget Office says the U.S. will spend more on interest payments on the public debt than it does the military beginning in 2023. Debt service expenses are projected to outpace all non-defense discretionary spending by 2025. That's a really big deal, and there's a story out of Axios this weekend that the president realizes the spending bill is his wake-up call. He's been played. It's a terrible deal and whatnot. But the same story was circulated about immigration, Uh, earlier that that was the president's wake-up call and before that it was tax reform that was the president's wake-up call Um, all of these stories when will he actually wake up y'all we are not in sound fiscal health and the russians and the chinese know it and they are just waiting to force us into some level of of uh, national bankruptcy our debt not global warming contrary to barack obama our debt is a national security issue, and no one in Washington, including the president, seems to be taking that seriously. I want to talk about this tomorrow. But, of course, with Michael Cohen, Raid, and everything else, the news of the day may shift. We'll see. But I will talk to you all tomorrow. Have a great night.
1: This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag.
0: Wimpy, wimpy,
1: wimpy. <laughs> and this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash... Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps)